Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Stall. 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 Bathroom stall? Call who for a good time? Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Okay. Summer in the city. It is. Uh, yeah, oh, it's unbearably hot in uh, in my loft as we record this this evening. It's swelt. It's sweltering. Is it? Do you think it's sweltering? It's very hot. Uh, if you're listening to this outside of the UK and you want to know what the temperatures are like, I think it got up to 23 degrees today, <laughs> didn't it? I, I think mean, it it's did, yeah. Unbearable, mm. unbearable, mm. But, <laughs> but there we go. Um, very humid as well. Oh, so very humid. Very humid. Your hair is bearing up very well, though. That's so kind of you to say so. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, let me tell you about something excruciating that happened to me this week, okay. which I think is often a, a good way to start mm. this podcast. So I've said before I have a mental map of toilets like at my disposal at any given time because I always feel embarrassed going into a pub or a cafe and asking to use the toilet. So what I've got in any given part of London that I'm in, I've got the locations of museums and art galleries and um, public buildings and, and hotels which have toilets you can just wander straight in and use without having to ask first or pretend that you're looking like you're looking for somebody or any of that stuff. Anyway, so I was in um, was in the Shoreditch area of London, okay. and I found myself needing the loo. And I was sort of scanning my mental map, and it goes like that, because I had some months before spoken at a podcast conference actually for our friends at Acast, who who host the um, podcast. I'd, I'd spoken at a conference in a hotel in Shoreditch and I knew there was a toilet I could use. Now, the slight snag was it was the toilet that belonged to the conference room of the hotel. Mm. So it meant going down two or three floors. Mm-hmm. But I thought I can walk in confidently, make no eye contact with the receptionist, get in the lift. My cognitive map uh, in my memory knows where that lift is and, mm-hmm. and down I go. So this is what I do. I arrive in the basement. The doors open. All of a sudden, I realise I've made a terrible mistake because there is a, a conference happening. Oh, God. Not even quite sure what it is, but it's some sort of generic tech digital conference because it's that kind of area. Right. Everyone's wearing lanyards. But I think 
I'm down here now. I know where the toilet is. I've just got to walk through that room and I'll be in there. Okay. So I walk through the room and it becomes apparent the room is where the conference is happening. I'm thinking, oh God, please no. What if somebody notices I'm not wearing a lanyard? But I managed to get to the toilet. I close the cubicle door. I do my business. Okay. And I just feel nothing but relief. Right. I'm on cloud nine. Okay. I walk out, ready to to uh, head back to the lift. As I head in that direction, somebody clinks a glass. You know, when they start clinking on a glass because the speech is about to happen. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I can only freeze because between me and the lift is the person clinking the glass. Oh, God. <laughs> so basically, I have to stand in the middle of a conference. Oh where people have been sort of milling around and having drinks and networking <laughs> while somebody gets up and makes a speech and shows some slides about digital growth and <laughs> revenue. Oh yeah. God. It's unbelievable. You're trapped. You're yeah, basically trapped. trapped. Yeah. yeah. How long did it go on for? I mean, too long. It, it went too long. Maybe it was only five minutes, but it, it, it was a long time oh. and there was no escaping to be done. But, you know, made some good contacts. <laughs> it did remind me of, do you remember years and years ago, I went by myself to Gothenburg in Sweden. And um, this is probably like 10 or 12 years ago at this point. And, and I know Stockholm very well, but I didn't know Gothenburg so well. So I did a bit of reading up on it. And I always think, you know, if, if you're on your own in a city, a good thing to do is find out, you know, where the good music bars are, you know, where the places with a good jukebox or they sometimes uh, have live bands are and then sort of gravitate to one of those places. So this is w- what I do. I do a bit of research, find the, the name of a place. In my research, I also find out that it's common in Gothenburg on a Friday to do after work buffets. Nice. It's lovely. Yeah. So most bars you can go into have, have got like a small um, snack buffet. It's That's just like great. an after work thing. Mm. So sure enough, I go into this place. I go into the basement. There is a buffet. I get a plate. I help myself. I, I haven't eaten all day. So I, I pile it quite high. You know, it's Sweden. Everything's expensive. So I think mm. you know, I get my money's worth. And then I stand at the bar and the music's pretty good. So I'm just sort of nodding my head. And there's a good atmosphere in it. It feels like almost like cheers, you know, where everyone kind of knows each other. Anyway, then then uh, the music is faded down and somebody gets up on a makeshift stage with a microphone and starts saying something in, in Swedish. So I just stand there. I think, well, this is odd, but it's obviously part of the same tradition. So when people are laughing, I also laugh. Like, there are a couple of bits where what the the guy says encourages a, a small round of applause. So I clap as well. Then he introduces somebody else and there's a big applause and the same thing. I'm <laughs> laughing at whatever is being said. Anyway, at some point, I don't know if it's, it's, it's a bit lost in the midst of time, but I don't know if it was from talking to somebody or just slowly the realisation dawning on me. I was at some kind of works leaving do. <laughs> Just mingling with yeah. all these colleagues who've been yeah. working together for years. Yeah. Just, yeah. who's that random guy? Yeah. <laughs> in, in a dream world, there's some overlap between those two stories. There is one one person <laughs> who worked at both of these companies. It's like, it's that guy again, just standing there, like coming along. Welcome to the main module of the show with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port in a program called Adrift. Can you get with it yet? Mm. 
Share your story of social ineptitude with us, please. I think what what is particularly heartbreaking, thinking about me 10 years ago or whenever that Gothenburg story would have been, was that I was still at a point where, although socially uncomfortable, I was still at a point where I'd be able to go to a city on my own and you know, be thinking, maybe I should go to a bar with a nice atmosphere and nice music. Mm, yeah, rather than just sit in your room. Yeah. <laughs> Get <laughs> re- room service. I've really declined yeah, since then, haven't I? Yeah. Uh, anyway, do share your story with us. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. First one's from Anon. For the past few years, I've been in and out of hospital for various ailments and I've seen a wide variety of doctors, nurses and other clinical staff. Throughout my time, I've been subject to many a rescheduled appointment and take it on the chin and don't say anything when the new appointment comes around and just get on with sorting out the issues at hand. Fast forward to the past month. I had been booked in to see a specialist at a local clinic at the rear end of April, but was called the day before to say it would need to be rescheduled and I would get a letter through with the new appointment. Lo and behold, the new appointment comes through and all seems good. The appointment comes along. I head to the clinic with a spring in my step, glad to finally get in. After a fairly long wait in a crowded waiting area, I'm called to see my specialist and take a seat. The next words to come out of my mouth surprised even myself and my friends to this day. It's good to finally see you after my last appointment was rudely cancelled last minute. (laughs) The specialist looks me in the eye as I feel a sense of dread building within my throat. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. My father-in-law died suddenly and I had to travel home to see him. So I took two weeks emergency leave. As the lump in my throat grew, I proceeded to try my absolute best not to mention anything about it for the rest of the appointment. (laughs) Once finished, I swiftly left the clinic with my tail between my legs and wishing the gram would swallow me up whole. Please tell me I'm not a bad person. You're not a bad person. You're just a terrible blurter. Uh, With a a very, very long build-up of emotions, (laughs) just blurting out of your mouth unwanted. You know, blurting is a classic drifter trait. Of course, yes. Uh, This is from Jenna. I live in America and was flying to England with my friend. She has this fancy pass to one of the lounges in the airport where everyone is rich and stuck up. We had been there for a while and I had a very bad stomach, so I proceeded to the empty bathrooms. I was in there for probably five to seven minutes, and when I got up, the toilet wouldn't flush. I was a bit worried, but not much, even though I had practically exploded. Until, just as I walked out, and an elderly woman came in. I started to panic. There were two stores, but maybe she'd take the other one. She didn't. She took the one that I was in. I tried to wash my hands and get out as fast as I could, but it was too late. My face turned bright red as she came back out of my stall and said, Oh, sweetie, you left a little something. (gasps) I just pretended... (laughs) I just pretended I didn't hear her and walked out. The rest of the time in the airport, I hid from her. (laughs) I think we should all be like this lady and say, Oh, sweetie, you left a little something. Oh, I take <laughs> Okay, finally from Grand Baroness Kate. Whilst at university, I lived in a large flat share of seven girls. When Christmas came around, being poor students, we could ill afford to buy six presents for all the other housemates, therefore agreed on a secret Santa. The name I drew from the hat was Sarah, the girl that I probably knew the least well out of everyone in the flat. Therefore, I spent some time racking my brain for an appropriate gift for her weeks passed and I hadn't managed to buy anything. 
One day, close to Christmas, I was wandering through the city centre when I noticed that a famous chef, who I'll refrain from naming, was doing a book signing that Saturday in the local bookshop. Amazing. The one thing I knew about Sarah was that she had a massive crush on this chef. I would buy his latest recipe book, get him to sign it to her, Secret Santa Sorted. That Saturday, I stood in the queue with a copy of the chef's latest book, getting increasingly nervous. Historically, meeting famous people had never gone well for me. Like the time I met John Ronson after a talk he'd done in London, I became immediately mute and just stared at him whilst he asked if I'd enjoyed the talk, whilst I continued to stare and not say a word. (laughs) Anyhow, you get the picture. I don't do well meeting well-known people. So I reached the front of the queue and said what I had rehearsed, thinking it best to keep it short. Hi, could you please send this to Sarah? The famous chef then asked, So Sarah, do you like my recipes? At the horror of having to actually answer a question, I suddenly got verbal diarrhoea. Oh, sorry, no, I'm not Sarah. No, Sarah's my flatmate. It's her Christmas present. She really likes you, fancies you in fact, but I don't like you. I don't like you at all. I met the famous chef's eyes as the realisation dawned on me that I just told him that I basically hated him. (laughs) The chef closed the book and slid it across the table coolly. I left the shop with my tail between my legs. Hopefully someday I'll learn not to try to interact with those in the public eye. Fantastic. What was John thinking of asking if you enjoyed the talk? (laughs) You know what he's like? That's just him being needy, isn't it? (laughs) Did you enjoy the talk then? (laughs) Good impression. (laughs) Did you really like it? It was good, wasn't it? <laughs> Can you believe? <laughs> Can you believe how great it went? <laughs> very good impression. Like very yeah. good. Um, share your story with us, please. Um, what is it you like about me? <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, share your story with us, please. Uh, it's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Excuse me. Do you have any wood? Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port, Adrift. Ooh, I'm in the stream. Annabelle, I am sitting here ready for yet another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult. Part 22. The Opticians. If I had to go to the opticians more than once every two years, I'd consider having my eyes out. <laughs> like a bad tooth. I find it that awful. So I had to go at the end of last week. And it was awful from the very moment I arrived. So it's a well-known chain that I went to the first time I needed to go. And now I can't leave because I always lose that little card with my current prescription on it. (laughs) So if I went somewhere else new, I wouldn't know if I needed new glasses or not. As I'm saying this, it's occurring to me that there are ways around this. But anyway, up until now, (laughs) I have felt stuck with this place. Also, you can book online, which I like a lot. Mm. So I went online. And it said, book a free eye test today. Yes, please. Free. Thank you very much. I booked it. And when I get there, they ask if I have a voucher for a free eye test. And when I tell them, no, I just booked online where it said free eye test. And they ask me if I'd screenshotted that. Am I wrong to think? Why do I have to screenshot your website to tell you it's free? (laughs) Because I don't want to pay for an eye test at a chain opticians. That feels like paying full price at Gap or ordering a Domino's pizza, but not with one of their deals. It doesn't feel right. Like who pays? Who pays for an eye test at one of these chain opticians? They're free, and they're a bit like, "Mm, well, we'll see about that whole free thing. Like they hadn't decided yet. They're going to let me know later. Then I had to do the tests with this member of staff who's not an optician. The ones that appeared to be a bit beneath the optician, even though they involve shooting air and intensely bright lights into my eye. (laughs) 
feels like there's far more responsibility involved than just showing me some letters. Like, I feel like I'd like the fully trained expert to do that bit. We had an email a while back, I don't even remember this, about the preliminary tests, about how they were convinced yeah. with the first sight that they turned the machine up too high. Yeah, yeah. But they didn't want to act like the staff member wasn't up to it because they weren't the real optician. <laughs> so they let them do the second eye <laughs> yeah. without a word, even though they felt it was a good chance they'd be blinded for life or see everything <laughs> as blue forever. And I totally empathise with that because... I was worried that my staff member hated me for not screenshotting my free eye test thing. So maybe turn the machine up a bit higher in revenge. As that was quite some air being fired into my eye. <laughs> it was like he had the dial in his hands and slowly and deliberately moved it up from light breeze to moderate gale and then <laughs> onto hurricane. And the flash, the flash bit, that stayed in my vision for at least a minute. I didn't say a word though, obviously. No. I mean, there would have to have been actual flames coming out of my eyes for me to even mention it. And even course, then, I'm yeah, not yeah. sure I would. Then I move on to the actual optician. And in many ways, this is the most stressful bit because we've had an email before about this bit, about how they felt the optician is trying to trick them when they say which is better one or two mm -hmm. and one day they'll say you're wrong they're the same you're a liar <laughs> my experience is different though because I can never see the difference but I think it's my fault and I also think that I'm really annoying the optician as I'm making the test longer than it should be and they want to go on their lunch break but he showed me a circle of dots and not only do I not think there's a difference at all but I honestly don't think my visual memory is good enough for these tests <laughs> how am I supposed to remember how clear the circles were a second before I can't remember <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so sure I'm annoying him. And the sales guy probably also told him about the whole screenshotting thing. <laughs> so I start just making it up, even though this almost certainly means I'll get the wrong glasses prescription, which means my eyesight will probably deteriorate even further and give me terrible migraines. And then I definitely will have to have my eyes out. But actually, there may be no, no bad thing. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port are adrift with you, which is saying something. About you. Fella came up to me in Ikea the other day. Oh, yeah. And actually, I just want to say, if you have a young child and you're after a way of passing a few hours, Ikea really is the place. You're telling me about this before and now I can't amazing, wait to go. Amazing. Yeah. So if they're, if they're over three, you can just drop them off for an hour and the Ikea people keep them entertained. Don't know how? Not my, <laughs> not my problem. Um, but e even... Even if not, just sort of wandering around a big space with loads of furniture and being able to get in and jump on the beds and sofas and then mm. go in the cafe. Just just a big amount of space. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it felt very luxurious. I know some parents, you know, would say, oh, I take my kids to an art gallery. <laughs> not me. <laughs> big branch of Ikea. Um, anyway, so I, I was in Ikea the other day and there was sort of like this hipsterish guy and he was he was looking at me a lot and I felt as if he was judging me because I was just letting my son call the lift over and over again. And, <laughs> and he comes over, I think, oh, here we go, we're going to get into it. And he, he comes over to say that he really enjoyed um, my edition of I Am The Egg Pod, which is this Beatles podcast. Uh, yes, yeah. That I've now been on two episodes. They had to do it as a two-parter. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but if, if you are interested in me and the host of that podcast, Chris, who is just fantastic, talking about the Beatles for three-plus hours across two episodes, then, you know, I enjoyed it, and the fella in Ikea enjoyed it. Mm. I think Chris enjoyed it. There you go. And that's uh, available to download now. And even if you don't want to hear me wittering on it, it's a, an excellent podcast, and I can't um, recommend it highly enough. 
Now, this Saturday morning, we are back, baby. It's an exciting day, Saturday. It is. Annabelle and I are going to be on live radio for the first time in more than two years. I am currently babysitting the 9 till 11 slot on BBC Radio 5 Live on Saturday mornings. My regular co-host Lou is off this week, so Annabelle is uh, coming in to deputise. Mm-hmm. And won't it just be a laugh, just like, yeah. the, olden, just like the olden days? It will. But with a lot more support. <laughs> like, it's, I, I opened the door to a room the other day and there's croissants. There are croissants? Yes. I love croissants. Yeah. I think they're there for the guests, but oh, okay. I see no reason. I see no reason why you couldn't help yourself to a croissant, Annabelle. Really? Oh, I'm so excited! Yeah, there's some kind of um, uh, foot spa. There's not. You're making that up. Might just be a disabled toilet, but it looks exciting. <laughs> Whatever. It, there, there is. I took a picture of it. It's, I won't bore everyone by trying okay. to find this picture on okay. my phone, but you know the facilities they've got at the BBC, oh, Annabelle. Can't wait. Get to walk past where they do the one show. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, and the and the news on the telly. Oh, stop yeah. it. Maybe you know after we finish, we can go and sort of stand in the background and try and get ourselves can we? in the background of the news twenty four channel. <laughs> can we please, like Guy Goma, <laughs> see if we can get on in the interview. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Annabelle and I are going to be on radio it's Saturday morning. It's very exciting. Uh, we've got some really good guests actually th- this week. Um, I won't ruin it now. Okay. Because I think one of them's on a pencil, so I don't want to okay. announce it oh. until I know that okay. they're all confirmed. But that's Saturday morning from 9 to 11 on BBC Radio 5 Live. And then after that, we're getting on a train along with my mother-in-law and we are going to Hebden Bridge for the first ever Adrift live show. Yay! It's going to be great. At the Trades Club, it's sold out. If you're coming along, we can't wait to see you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be wonderful audience interaction. <laughs> Don't worry, there's not. There's not. There's not. Don't worry. There's going to be none of that. We're going to be picking on people randomly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you in the, in the blue top. Tell us a story. Yeah, yeah. No, no, of course not. You're going to be not. getting everyone up dancing. No, of course no, not. Of course, of course not. not. It's, you know, we, 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 we it'll be a room of uncomfortable people mm-hmm. watching some uncomfortable people on a stage yeah. talking about uncomfortable experiences in life. Plus my mother-in-law, who's not in the least bit uncomfortable. There you go. She'll break the ice. She will. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and then the the marvellous Gavin Osborne's going to be giving us a song or two as well. It's, it's really looking forward to it. Been checking the weather. Looks like it's going to be a nice day in Hebden Bridge yeah. as well. Beautiful part of the country. So if you come into that, we'll see you on Saturday night. If you're not coming to that and you would like to hear the first ever Adrift live show, then you need to uh, subscribe to supporters on Patreon because um, the only place you'll be able to hear it for the time being is if you are a Patreon supporter. So if you go on there and uh, pledge a bit of pocket money every month, then you will have access as well as all the stuff we've already done and you'll be get, you'll get yourself a, a title. Um but you you will get access to this first ever live podcast that we're recording in Hebden Bridge. Go to Patreon. <laughs> Excuse me, but I'm a bit wheezy oh, tonight. Uh, Patreon.com stroke adrift. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Now, Paddington, you know, is is a nice station as far as train stations go. Mm. But I was standing there thinking, if you drag in a, a family of young children around London, I'm not sure that Padd- the, the train station and the area it's in, in the short amount of time that it seems like you've got, are the, are the, is the best way for you to spend your time. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, should I say something? No. And do you know what? I do. You do not. Yeah. And I say in, in a very meek way, I go, excuse me, I hope you don't mind me saying this. I was just overhearing your conversation about your itinerary and it all sounds wonderful. Uh, I noticed you're planning on going to Paddington. Is that because of the film? And he says, yeah, yeah, we love Paddington Bear. I said, let me make a suggestion for you. The area uh, <laughs> that, that Paddington lives in, in that film, is an area called Primrose Hill. It's extremely beautiful. The the crescent that the Paddington, the, the family's house is on, is called, I think, Chalcott Crescent. It's very nice, but there's lots of small cafes and restaurants around there. There's a hill that has spectacular views over London, and it's just a much nicer area to uh, to to walk around than than Paddington if you've only got a short amount of time. Right. The mum of the family, her face lights up. She is so pleased. She's like, "Thank you so much. That sounds great." She starts asking me more about this area. Meanwhile, I can see on the dad's face that he is livid with no. me because he is a man who has drawn up an itinerary yeah. and he does not want that family deviating no. from that itinerary at all. He is just glaring yeah, and glaring yeah, at me. Yeah. So I get off the train, I stop early and then wait for another one just so that I don't have to prolong that interaction anymore. I can't believe you did it. What came over I'm me? I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I am. Um, happy birthday for all of you who aren't listening and those of you who are, you're in on the joke. Great, good work. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port, Adrift. Thank you. Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic in Problematic. Here we go. If you have a social situation, you need to know what the rule is. Uh, you're floundering like an upturned turtle. Then ask us. We will tell you. Email us. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. Mike in South Wales says this. I thought I would email you with my current quandary regarding our old friend, the awkward conversation with the hairdresser slash barber. Okay, okay. I've always hated this interaction going right back to my teens. So you can imagine my delight when in my mid-twenties, I started losing my hair on top and only one sensible hairstyle was left open to me. Yes, you've guessed it, the number one crew cut, easily administered by friends, family, partners or even myself with a pair of Argos bought clippers. No more awkward conversations at the barbers for me. Forward on many years and I find myself married to someone who, quote, definitely will not be cutting my hair. And a stepson who needs frequent trips to the barbers. My stepson plays football. The barber plays football. What else is there for them to talk about? No awkwardness to later develop into sheer dread for him, thank goodness. The cutting of my own hair was now becoming tedious. And buoyed by my recent trips to my stepson's barbers, I decided to take the plunge and return to the chair of Small Talk Central. After all, how (laughs) hard can it be? And if the worst comes to the worst, I know enough about football to know you have to kick the ball in the net. Anyway, the first trip goes swimmingly. I'm ushered into the chair almost as soon as I walk in the door. Not the usual working out where you are on the queue and keeping tabs on who was already there and who came in after you. My second visit went much like the first, but this time I had a lovely lady barber who was far more chattier than the guy I had on my first visit. But I felt as ease and I can't really remember what we talked about or what I said. 
I need to say at this point, I sometimes embellish on what the actual reality of something I'm talking about is. It's not malicious <laughs> or even showing off. It's just something I can't help when I'm feeling anxious or feel my answers will make the person I'm talking to think, God, how boring is this guy's life? Roll on my third trip to the barbers and we're back to the usual, a few people waiting, two barbers working, not so chatty guy and very chatty lady and more people coming after me. But I'm on it. I know where I am in the queue. It's then a slight niggle starts, which barber will I get? I try to work it out by judging how far into the current customer's haircut they each are and how many customers are waiting in front of me, but the variables are too big. I'll just have to take pot luck. But what did it matter? Well, I literally couldn't remember what I chatted about to the lady barber I'd had before, and I knew that all the same questions would be asked in traditional hairdresser fashion. Where did you go on holes last year? Was it Bali or Barbados? I probably didn't say Benidorm, which is where I did go. <laughs> As sod law dictates, when my turn came, it was the lady barber. And after the customary number one please all over came the question, so where are you going on holes this year? Oh, we've just booked a cheapy to Zanti. Bit of a come down from the Maldives, isn't it? Oh no, she remembered everything I said. I just blustered <laughs> something about work on the house and just having a week of sun somewhere and then spent the rest of the time panicking about anything else I said, which will get found out by a well-placed question later on. I have calculated I've got three more hair guts before I go to my holidays. <laughs> so do I, one, go to the same barbers and pray that I get less chetty man three times in a row. Not much chance of that happening. Even the law of advantages is against me there. Two, go to a new barber's and go through all the rigmarole of integrating myself into a new barbering <laughs> environment. Three, resort to shaving my hair myself, which having the luxury of not doing so recently isn't very favourable. Or four, grow that comb over that's come into fashion one day. <laughs> Has to come into fashion one day. Maybe I can start it off. Then again, maybe not. All to avoid discussing holidays and trying to remember what's been said before so I don't get caught out again. Like, I would like to see a return of Bushy at the Sides bald on top. I think that's your answer. You're like Gene Wilder. Yeah. That sort of look would be great. If you can do that, Mike, I think I think that is your answer. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, so probably do it yourself. Um, but... If you're putting yourself through the small talk, if statistically you're probably going to have to do the small talk, go to a different barber because at least then you can just say whatever comes into your head and not worry about being caught out in a web of lies. But you're saying they have to go to a different barber every time. Yeah. But how many barbers are there in his town? You're saying he's got to start travelling. I don't for, know. They end up like going from, I don't know, Edinburgh down to South End, like just <laughs> going through all the barbers in the country. You could probably write a book about that. <laughs> Because the other thing is, I forget what I've asked the hairdresser. And then I worry that I'll look rude by asking the same question twice. Yeah. Because I'm going to be absolutely honest. Most of the time, if I'm asking a question, it's not because I want to know the answer. It's just to sort of fill fill the time, to fill the fill the dead air. Mm -mm. So I'm just blurting out whatever. Oh, and how many kids has your sister got? Oh, and what ages are they? Right, I mean, yeah. I don't want to know that information. No, no, no. But it's just a way, a way of filling filling the time, right? And this barber. So think about how how long having a number one cut takes. Like that is a quick job. Mm. 
and she, like she is going through a lot of people every day. And how often is going? How did she remember he's going to the Maldives? Do they make notes afterwards? <laughs> no, I've often thought that because they do seem to remember. They do seem to say, "Oh yeah, you're doing." But I think how you you must see. I don't know. How, how, must see six, seven, eight people a day. Maybe they are just better and more competent people than we are. Maybe sort of by default, if you're doing that job, you are a bit interested in just having conversation with strangers. And you remember it. Honestly, I think they've got files and they go back and they make notes. I'd like to know. Scum. Scum. (laughs) Oh, well, there's the answer to Mike though, isn't it? He needs to start his own file. Yes. So immediately after the hairdressers, write down what ridiculous lies you've told and then you can remember them for next time. There you go. My memory is so bad. You know, I said I did this um, part two of the Beatles egg pod recently. Mm -mm. I had to listen to my interview on part one, which I'd done three or four weeks earlier, mm. and make notes because I couldn't remember what I'd said. No. And I thought I'd just end up repeating myself otherwise. Really? Yeah. And then you had to sort of keep referring to yeah, notes. Yeah, yeah, said, yeah. That's yeah, what yeah, I do? Yes, oh, yeah. God. But I think that's an answer. Yeah. That or the bushy sides. Yeah. Okay. Have a little clipboard like a doctor. Yes. Mm. Yes. Okay. Maybe even record the conversation. <laughs> That's not creepy, is okay, it? Okay, it's creepy. Although you're wearing the thing, they wouldn't know what you're up to under there. No. Although if you start shuffling around too much, they <laughs> get worried. All right, okay, yeah, there's that one resolved yeah. then. Okay, this is on to Johnny. Sometimes, Johnny. When it, just, sometimes when it's busy on the tube, another passenger will lean their body against the pole in the middle of the carriage. So either you've got nothing to hold on to, or if you're already holding on, your hand gets squashed under their back, so you're trapped until the other person gets off the train. How does one deal with this situation? A loud cough? A wriggle of the hand? Surely anything to avoid actually asking them to move. I eagerly await your ruling. My advice would be to travel on the train at off-peak hours. <laughs> but, okay. Uh, what's, what's your advice on this one? Well, I, I would like to know what you're supposed to do when because so- I don't like it when someone leans their whole body against it and then because I'm not tall enough to reach the ones up above you. Oh, so you can't strap a hang. I'm, I can't strap a hang. I'm relying on that pole. And so I've, I find it very difficult to, what I've done in the past, I think, is just kind of move my hand onto the pole until it gets to the stage where they feel awkward that my hands are going into their back. <laughs> I may be slightly more forward in these situations than I should be. Um, but it's very difficult. If your hand is trapped, I guess you just wait until it goes numb. <laughs> I guess. There we go. There's, okay. There's your answer. Johnny. There you go, Johnny. Johnny. Just wait until it goes numb. Johnny. And then you won't, then you won't care because you can't that's feel it. That's my son. I'll stop it. Johnny, that's my son. Why are you doing Johnny. that voice? It's What's a, it from? It's a, it's, a, it's a fantastic impersonation. Of... Well, maybe we could. Maybe we can see just how good an impersonation it is. If right. anybody emails in and says, "I know what, I know what that was," okay. and then, Johnny, Johnny, that's my son. But, that's my son. Can I ask Johnny? A yeah. are, you, are you? So, is it? Is it a pure impression, or are you actually doing a line from a film? Because if they do know it, they'll just be knowing the line from the film. I, th- I, th- I mean, it is a line from a film-ish, mm. but I, okay, I okay. think it's a very good impression as well. Let's 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 see <laughs> okay. if we. I don't want to give too much away, but I was doing it at the zoo recently <laughs> and somebody Same turned zoo. around and knew what it was. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Then I think I know then. Okay. Right. Uh, let, let, let's see if anyone knows what that is. But I mean, I just want to say, I feel that, how many years have we broadcast together or pod, podcast combined? It's a long time, isn't it? 2001, did you start working with me? Yep. Yeah, so we into 18, 18 years this year, Annabelle. Mm. And... I think on this episode of this podcast, I've revealed myself as an, an impressionist 
extraordinaire with my John Ronson and this particular impersonation. I'm not a bloody yuppie. There you go. I knew you wanted me to do it. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, Annabelle and I will be on the radio this Saturday morning, providing that you're listening to this um, within a day or two of it coming out. The podcast comes out on the 26th of June. Uh, we're on the radio on the 29th in the morning, 9 till 11 on BBC Radio 5 Live, and then Adrift Live in Hebden Bridge on Saturday evening. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox are our announcers and made the little eye dance. Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support. Carla Gowlett took photos. Kim Rainey made our artwork. Do email us, please. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. And, uh, oh, oh, sweetie, you left a little something. Adrift. Adrift. Podication time, Annabelle. Okay. And this comes from Dave Wilkinson, who says, hello. 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 As the saying goes, long-time listener, first-time emailing, after first stumbling across the two of you on the late evening show on Virgin. Mm. Those were those were good days, weren't they? Long the the time Jeff ago. show. Uh, he says, "I'd like a publication for myself, if that's okay. Partly because nobody else will request one for me. I don't know anyone else who listens. Uh, although I do occasionally inflict choice moments on my wife. Unlucky, <laughs> um, uh, but mostly because I've been very bold and deserve a publication. Well, here it is. Here mm. is it. Uh, what is it? Uh, Fortune favors the bold. That's the quote. Yes." Yeah. Um, as soon as I heard there was going to be a live show, I was interested. When you said it was going to be in Hebden Bridge, I was very interested. I live in the Midlands now and have done for an awfully long time, but I grew up in a small town on the Lancashire-West Yorkshire border on the, uh, at the end of the Calder Valley, Littleborough. I know the countryside around Hebden Bridge well, but I haven't spent much time there in ages. Uh, it'd be great to spend a few days back there and have a mooch around revisiting some of my old haunts. So I booked my tickets as soon as it was announced. I was very pleased with myself, but slowly the awful truth dawned on me. I had my tickets, but I needed somewhere to stay. I looked at a bunch of websites for pubs and B&Bs and found a few promising candidates. But to book them, I would have to use the telephone and actually speak to somebody. Now, I know that's pretty irrational fear, but I suspect many drifters will understand my reluctance to make an unsolicited phone call to a stranger. Oh, God, I do. Mm. I mean, I found the place we're staying. I think I chose it based on the fact that I booked online and didn't have to speak to it. And then, then due to a chain of events, I had to ring them this week and cancel one of the rooms, and it was just a nice oh, Sorry to hear yeah. that. Um, <laughs> 
He says, so I did what any good drifter would do, and I ignored the problem, hoping it would go away. <laughs> of course, it didn't. Finally, this week, with less than a month to go, I accepted that I had to do something, or my wife and I would be sleeping in the car for the weekend, and that really wouldn't go down well. I searched the internet again, and eventually found what looks to be a rather nice holiday cottage, just outside Hebden Bridge, specifically uh, higher up in the valley, above, hmm, I want to say Mithelmroyd but I could be wrong about that. Mm. I only mention this because uh, the bad person in me wants to hear Annabelle uh, say both specifically (laughs) and uh, Mithelmroyd. Mithelmroyd. Well, I'm not reading it, so there. Yeah, and I should know that as a good northerner, but I don't know if I've ever come across that before. I know it's very close to Todmorden. Um. They had an online booking form. I could type stuff rather than actually have to speak to a stranger. I booked it. I paid online. I heaved, heaved a sigh of relief. I really understand your pain, Dave. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm very much the, the same. He says, so I have tickets. <laughs> Excuse me. So I have tickets. I have somewhere to stay. And I'm very much looking forward to the evening. Us too. Um, we will say some awkward hellos afterwards. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, so th- th- there'll, be, there'll be scope for that. Mm. Are you going to bring some of your books? Yeah, why not? Yeah, bring a little box, see if you know. See if anyone's interested. See if you will pity, hawk, pity hawk by them. Wares. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. might have a few pencils left over as well. Like no complete sets, but I've got a few individual units. <laughs> we, did, we didn't do a badge update this week either. Oh, we'll have to do one next week. Yeah, I mean, I've got news, but we'll save it for next week. All yeah. right. Anyway, Dave, we will see you there. Thanks so much for coming. I'm glad you managed to find somewhere where you didn't have to speak to another human being. And if you would like a podcast, it's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.